tukia te papa, kia hikara ta tātou ahi, he ahi tūtata, he ahi whitawhita, he ahi tautou i ngā kaupapa kei te pae kōrero o party people. Ko mihi ngā rangi haunau mai ki te ahi kāroa o ngā takiwhaitikanga o te wā. Welcome to Party People, funded by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Uh, well, it's nearly winter whānau, but fear not, because our special guest's hot political takes will light a fire in your puku. Uh, he's a qualified butcher, a cancer survivor, a Harvard-educated Fulbright scholar with a master's in public policy, a brilliant, young, hard-working Māori politician, so talented, national, ranked on 43 on their, last, uh, their list last election. Uh, he is, of course, uh, the former MP for Northcote, Dan Bidwa. Tēnā koe, no Yeah, kia ora mihi. good to be here, good to see you too, Jane. You, Shane. You, you Dan. Tell yeah. us uh, no he koe. Uh, yeah, so look, uh, I, um, yeah, so I whakapapa to uh, Ngati Manipoto in the King Country area. But um, I'm also, I've just finished a bit of a research looking at my um, adopted past and my uh, biological past. And I'm originally from the north, up in a place called Kaio. Were you surprised? I was, yeah, yeah. So uh, in the Erihi family up in Kaio, that's where I'm from. So the, if you're listening and you're in the Waiha Mana area. Calling all the Erihi whānau, yeah, all the Erihi whānau, yeah, come get yeah, your politician. I'm, I'm coming up <laughs> and um, looking forward to meeting you and to uh, meeting you soon. Yeah. Tell us about that experience of, you know, uh, do you feel like you're filling in some of the jigsaw pu- puzzle? Absolutely. It's, um, you know, like whakapapa's really important identity and uh, for me I've always wanted to find where I, where my birth parents were from and to find my birth parents. Um, I've, I've found them. It's not the most prettiest of um, stories, but that's reality. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, you know contributes to who I am and but it's your story. It's yeah, yeah. exactly. So and you you now add to the legacy of uh, northern politicians. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Shane, uh, Kilda, no Kilda. mai, Rocky, mai. Uh, Did you have you ever worked with um, Dan? No, I've, I've, I I first was aware of Dan about uh, 10, 12 years ago. We just had a quarter before where he won some sort of an award and uh, yeah, and I thought. He was very impressive at the time. And, of course, Howard Northcote lost it. And uh, all I say is that uh, he's got a fairly good chance of winning it back. It's going to be an interesting sort of scrap there to Māori. Up against uh, Māori Shannon Helvet. Shannon Halbert and uh, Dan Bidwa. So I think it's one of the four seats in Tamaki Makoto to keep an eye on. Yes, it is. Um, what have you been up to since you left Parliament? Uh, look, so enjoying a bit more quiet time, um, getting married later on this year, so that's uh, very exciting. I've got my own consultancy, uh, which is keeping me busy and keeping my uh, finger in uh, pies around the business community. And, um, yeah, and then just rebuilding for next year's election. It's a big year for us in the National Party, so, uh, you know, there's lots to do, and um, we're heading in the right direction, but um, more to come. So, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, fun times all around. Are you a groomzilla? A groomzilla? Yeah, like organising the wedding? Uh, well, yeah, no, we're, we're an equal household, so we're sharing the burden equally, and um, no, it's a, little, a lot of fun. And You're a we're bit just relaxed, or are you a bit like, I want it this way? No, I think, hey, compromise is everything, right? So I can offer yeah. you a bit of advice. Having, yeah, been married, having been married three times, I can offer three. you a bit of advice, but the other thing is I would say, Daniel, if you need matrimony advice, don't come to, <laughs> don't come to talk to Shane. Sure to Third time yeah. lucky for Shane, because yeah. he's, oh, yeah, he's got a keeper. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Well, ko hinga te, he tōtara i te Waunui a tāne, uh, te Māori has lost some of its finest, tallest rākau uh, in the forest, 
um, Wefe World Joe Hawk, uh, Dame Aroha Croft, and many others have passed away in the last couple of weeks. So, um, e tangi ana kiara Let's talk about Joe uh, Hawk's mm, tangi. Mm. Uh, a really large yeah. gathering. It was boy, they did it well up there at Ngati uh, Ngati Fatua with all the. Um, hand sanitizer and the masks and yeah. the directions and I think they've kept people really really safe but yeah Joe Hawke was many things but he was a land activist first and foremost uh, he took on the might of the crown of uh, Muldoon mm. uh, over Takaparafo or Bastion Point and he won. Do you, do you do you remember Boot Hill? I do, I do. It was sort of my first sort of political consciousness around the seven, around the seventies, um, and uh, a lot of our people from who were trade union activists came to support. But you know, you just put it in perspective. Just over a hundred years ago, mass confiscation of Natiafatu's uh, land, basically put onto reserve, removed, and their houses burnt in front of them in the nineteen fifties, which just seems only like last week. And then Muldoon come along and uh, try to sell off their land, literally below them and you know that whanau paid a huge price you know Joe's daughter uh, sorry uh, niece uh, Alex's daughter died and uh, the vitriol that Maldun heaped upon him I, I, I don't think can be underestimated but what I loved about Joe and the hawk whanau through all of that they only have optimism and love and let's just think about it for a second folks the first act when they got the moment back were to basically make them better and hand them back to the people of Tamaki Makoto. So I reckon that if we are ever going to um, celebrate um, one of the fa- one of the really meaningful contributions to Tamaki Makoto, it ought to be Joe and the Hawk Fano. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if um, mm. I think all iwi kind of do that. It's a yeah. thing that happens in the treaty settlement process, mm. isn't mm. it? That it's yeah. gifting back. But you know, he pai motika katoa, five hundred and six days, Dan, on that whenua resisting the crown and you know, we all have seen those images of the police mm. and the army and the rest of it. You know, what do you think the impact has been on you mm. and others? Mm. Well look he certainly um, displayed courage and le- real leadership to stand up to Muldoon at the time and um, and to lead that movement, and um, so look, you know, it's a huge loss, and uh, for many Kiwi, it was a key wa- awakening moment for um, you know understanding the struggles of Maori with land rights ownerships. Um, you know, so a key a key moment for wider Pakeha New Zealand, but a key moment for. Uh, Māori them to understand, well, hey, we can get change, here's how, here's how we do it, we need to take um, to protesting, and you've seen that, you know, in, the, in more recent times with Ihu Matau, and uh, whether you disagree or agree with uh, the approach and the outcome, but, um, so look, there are lots of learnings to take from that. Bastion Point is a fantastic space, I must say, and to, th- to, to think of uh, Ngāti Whātea Ōraki and what they've done to just preserve that when it could have been high-rise, multi-million dollar developments. That speaks, I think, to the advantage of um, bringing iwi into, you know, decision-making of some mechanism. Mm. Uh, We can argue over the the way that mechanism is, but it's a true um, asset for all in Tamaki Makaurau to enjoy in the future. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, People don't often realise until way into the future that when you're doing the resisting and the activism it's a really can be really lonely place yes. for and and his tamariki at the tangi talked about that they, they, they were hated they were and, hated um, I imagine you know particularly because uh, Takapavafo is on that beautiful yeah. bridge mm-hmm. with multi-million dollar mm. um, Paratai Drive yeah. you know we mm. all know about Paratai Drive about how isolating it must have been for those whanau 
But Joe had consciousness. Joe, Joe was, a, uh, was into workers' rights through trade union movement. He was very uh, uh, loving and cared for and cared to uh, the people of the Pacifica. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the last time I think I saw Joe was around the Black Lives Matter movement. So, you know, his whole life was one of, one of activism. And, you know, we celebrate on an international ba- basis people like Dr Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Joe Hawke and his father were were peace activists also, and I, I just really think that we ought to celebrate him mm. and, and, and what the people of Ngāti Whātū Ōrākei have given us. Tēnā mm. uh, He became, later in life, became a politician, and you'd know, I guess, um, going into Parliament, it, it requires a whole set of disciplines when you've been doing that kind of mahi and doing it so well. Mm. Sometimes it's not the same work, or what do you think? Yeah, I think that it just goes to show you there's many different ways to make a contribution and to serve uh, your fellow um, people. And uh, for Joe, I think being an activist was was the essence of that. But um, you know, coming into Parliament, you're, you're faced with a whole range of rigid structures and the, the weight of institutionalism and in the history of that, and um, so you know, I don't exactly know what he achieved in the six years, but um, I'm sure that what he's remembered for is, is his activist um, movement. The leader of the opposition, uh, Christopher Luxon, wrote a beautiful um, farewell actually in Te Reo Māori on Facebook, and it garnered a whole lot of abuse, mm. uh, racism, and all about Te Reo Māori. You know, as a National Party member. Are you disappointed with some of those supporters? Yeah, look, very distasteful. But um, look, in the main, looking at the comments, um, you know, they were far more positive than negative. And you know, Chris uh, essentially very um, diplomatic that answer. Yeah, <laughs> Chris essentially, um, you know, uh, started it in Te Reo and then said some good words about Joe. And I think you know that that's what we should be doing is exactly that, celebrating Joe and his should, life. Should do you think he should come out and actually um, speak to the, some of those comments? Oh, I just think you, you don't want to give effect to that. I think you want to remember what the good of somebody, and I, I just to, to to actually get into the negativity when we actually want to celebrate Joe, his movement, his Fano. Mm. I think is far fair point. Fair point to a degree. Mm. Uh, I think the chickens have come home to roost. I think that racist sort of um, whistle dog line that was very prevalent under under uh, Collins because. The people who wrote those those comments tend to have been either National Party or ACT supporters. Um, so I think he does need to address it personally. And the other thing is I think that, you know, um, whilst a Crown apology was given to the people of Ngāti Whātua and the Hawke Whānau, uh, I, th- I thought that um, Chris Luxton ought to use the opportunity to personally apologise on behalf of the National Party to the Hawke Whānau because, again, what Muldoon done to the damage that he'd done to that Whānau is... Uh, is is traumatic and is is constant amongst them. Mm. Dame Aroha Cross was another mm. rangatira we mm. lost. Um, she was farewelled in Te Waipo Namu. Mm. She was part of the Māori Women's Welfare since 1968, and in 1990 she became the president. Uh, spent her life pushing for better Māori health mm. outcomes, and in 2020 she became a dame for her services to the community and to Māori. Did you know Dame? Aroha Cross? Not, not personally, okay. but another uh, you know, strong wahine, um, incredible you know, mana of uh, Aroha and to you know, what she stood for in advancing women's rights and shining a light, I think, on some of the, um, you know, the, 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 the inequalities of uh, Māoridom and, and in New Zealand. So, uh, you know, really sad loss, and, um, but she leaves a great legacy for 
uh, wahine Māori uh, in the future. And um, certainly she's another one that tried her hands at politics. And again, it's a case of, hey, um, she was, you know... It was a pretty tough seat, eh? Hey? She Makere. stood for the Māori party. That's right, yeah. And who, who'd she stand against? Um, I think it was uh, Matt Ducey at the time who, who still holds that seat. Mm. But, um, look, um, you know, she, she's, she's going to be more remembered for her activism and uh, as president of the Māori Women's Welfare League and and the way she um, engaged politicians and um, learnt her skill craft of, of advancing women's rights and those issues. Yeah. Yeah. I met, I, met, I met her on several occasions when we set up a uh, of Māori health service for, for people with uh, intellectual disabilities, and that was her niche, health, health and the promotion of health. And the fact that here's a Māori woman with very strong kaupapa views stood on Waimakariri, which is sort of... You know, pretty white and pretty right, um, and you know, she, but she put her co-papa up there, so quite a brave thing to do. I would imagine, you know, attending some of those candidate sort of meetings would have been difficult. What I also remember about her, she had a great sense of humour, but when she was in the room, I figured she was the boss. The PM recovering from COVID headed uh, to the US, leading the trade delegation mm. and receiving a standing ovation for her Harvard speech on gun control and democracy. You went to Harvard. Did you have, I mean, did, who, who did the commencement speech when you were there? Uh, we had Oprah Winfrey when I was there, I but um, so it's a bit of a different speaker uh, this week. But um, that's pretty cool, though. It, 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 it was would have been in her, when she was like owning the TV. Back Absolutely. Then. So, um, and that, that was about a decade ago. Actually, I had my ten-year anniversary there this year. But um, look, I I, I I watched her speech uh, just in the speech today. I thought it was good, and I think for for any New Zealander across the world watching that speech, we should be proud. Of that, it was um, certainly her audience. It is a it is a um, a left leaning university, and so uh, I think it, you know she, she got lots of standing ovations. What I think happened even to when, you? What's that? What happened to you? Oh Matthew? well, no, there, there's the oddball out there. I think I'm an outcast in that university there. But um, look, I, I think um, you know it was it was a good speech, and we should be proud of that. There was another uh, prime minister or president that spoke that week, uh, Maya Sandu, who spoke at the Kennedy School graduation, um, and she spoke about the um, you know former World Bank um, staffer, and then became Minister of Education, and then Prime Minister. Uh, and she spoke about the importance of um, getting into public service, you know, why you should, as a um, you know, smart, intelligent person, get into public service. And I would have liked to have heard that from Jacinda about why she got into public service, mm -hmm. because she would have um, had the smartest people in that audience um, and what's the call to action for them to actually go out there and lead, because we actually do need some uh, better quality leadership in, in the world today. Uh, your yeah. thoughts on her, well, just well, her trip so far? Well, um, she's meeting with Biden. Uh, the last time that was, uh, I think, Key and Obama. Um, I think it was always going to happen. Mm. Um, you know, there's a political alignment between uh, Biden and, and Ardern, so I think that was always going to happen. I thought the speech was one for the ages, actually. I think it was perfectly timed. It wasn't sneering. She didn't say, this is where you got it wrong. She accepted that there's, in, t in terms of where we are with guns, that there's still, still some work uh, to do. Uh, but I think uh, her holding to account 
the um, uh, so the social pages and the social deliverers of sort of how we get our news and the misinformation sort of aspects. Of, I think it was timely. Um, yeah, Harvard is left wing, but you know. They, they're currently addressing lots of issues in terms of equity and how they review their past in terms of, um, you know, in, in terms of the enslavement of their fellow citizens. Mm. You have to kind of take your hat off to her in terms of her ability, because she's a communication specialist, to marry up uh, subjects and, um, you know, the Texas uh, shooting and uh, talking to them about um, gun reform, which is a big hot topic over mm. there. Mm. Um, so on an international, you know, Back home, she's not receiving that kind of press, but internationally, she's getting some good stuff. Yeah, and she's she's always had that um, awe about her internationally, and um, and that's great for New Zealand. I've lived overseas yeah. for seven years, and it is great to to have a prime minister that's out there and that's respected. Um, but when you come back home, you know the, this is where the rubber hits the road, and you know whether we talk climate change or um, child poverty or you know um, incomes. You know, there's some real pressures out there, and I think, um, you know, I think the, the world glosses over the the, the, the issues that we face. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, if she's going to get re-elected, it's going to be New Zealand puppet. Do you think she's had any wins on trade? Well, um, looking at the the trip, hey, it, it seems like a, it's going really well. I think the Biden meeting will be crucial. Um, you know, she went to California. She struck a bit of a memorandum of cooperation there with the governor. That's all well, but I don't know. I think for New Zealand, it's good to have the Prime Minister out there re-engaging with um, the world, establishing relationships with and building relationships with our key ally in, in America. Um, so I think that's good. But in terms of hard results, it's, it's, it's all these trips are very, very hard to kind of you know, judge whether they've been mm. a success. Well, we, you know, meetings, has, meetings with Amazon yeah. and places well, like that, what do we get from I, it? No, I'm very excited about that. I'm in the IT space and uh, cloud storage is very important because, you know, it also means data sovereignty. Mm. And, you know, that $7 billion investment um, from Amazon and, and, and IT and cloud space is uh, going to bring lots of high-level high, high level, um, jobs here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And uh, I found it quite difficult to recruit, but over the last little while we're getting more people returning home to New Zealand uh, people from the states wanting to live in, in New Zealand, uh, largely off the back of our COVID story, actually. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. And $7 million worth of investment, real investment by an American company in New Zealand, uh, shouldn't be sneered at. Mm. Mm. OK, well, meanwhile, back home, as mm. I was saying before, the National Party and ACT Party continue their attacks on the government. They say it's, a, it's addicted to spending. Um, so let's look at some of the wins in the budget, if we can. So Māori Health nabbed $188 million over four years. Um, it will go directly to the direct commissioning of services through the Māori Health Authority, Te Manahauru, is what it's called, kicks off in July the 1st. And $20 million will be set aside uh, for iwi, support iwi Māori partnership boards. Um, it's a pretty substantial sum. The National Party hasn't, has said it's not supportive of the Māori Health Authority, um, but direct commissioning, would you think, is similar to what you started with Whānau Order? Yeah, and then then yeah. So final order is a similar model commissioning, you know, um, local organisations for for Māori issue, for Māori um, local Māori support. Um, look, that that's all very well, but you don't need a separate authority to do that. You can do that within the current system. Um, and, can you, know, you though? Because can you fairly? Can it be fairly? Um, 
judged and you know reviewed and yeah, I think I think I think I think you know if you take a step back, I mean, what do we want to do? We want to improve Maori health and equities, right? Okay, then for an example, you know, why would we have Waipareta taking Ministry of Health to court for you know Maori data? I mean, if we had a Māori Health Authority, that would just be there, wouldn't it? Or if we just had a ministry that understood, you know, why it's important to have access to Māori data and to change the laws so that we could actually do that. So, yeah. look, I, I think the key thing is I, I sat on a Māori Fair Select Committee where we reviewed Māori health inequities, and that report came back in 2020. One of the recommendations was this health authority, but mm. the other recommendations are often overlooked, and I think those are the bigger ones. We talked about cancer screening, bowel screening. We talked about um, mm. addressing racism in our mainstream you know, uh, uh, mainstream healthcare system, you know, providing actually you know, beefed-up resourcing and education for that. Yeah. All those things need to happen regardless of whether we have a separate system it, or not. You could probably throw millions and millions and millions of dollars just at bowel cancer, yeah. but wouldn't it be the framework that needs to change? But the framework does need to change, and all due respect, uh, Dan, uh, the statistics in terms of our mortality rates, our, uh, the rates of diabetes and cancer just aren't working under mainstream. And what we learned as a result of COVID, and you know, the rollout wasn't wasn't fantastic, took a little while to get resources, but what we learned is once the once the resources were in our hands, we were able to deliver not only for our own Māori community, but for communities at large. And you know, your leaders talked about um, bureaucracy. Well, we have 21 DHBs, we have 21 chair people, we have 21 boards. Uh, many uh, many we have to deal with two or three boards. I think this is about decluttering the bureaucracy. And what I what I figure is that our people know our people best. So I'm looking forward to I'm, that, I'm looking forward to the point. chance of giving it a go. That's a good point because the National Party does talk about um, the leader. I've heard him talk about um, you know it's going to add layers and layers more actually Shane Hariti bureaucracy mm. to it. But when you consider uh, taking you know the I think they're going to turn 21. DHBs into something like six or seven, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, wouldn't that be like actually cleaning it up? Well, we're, we're merging all DHBs, yeah. right, into mm -hmm. this massive bureaucracy. New Zealand, yes, yeah. and, and then there'll be these, uh, I think, you know, four odd so isn't regional that streamlining entities. streamlining it rather than adding more clutter? Well, no, I mean, you know, again, it's what I come back to is what's going to make a difference to, you know, Māori health outcomes, right? So if you can tell Māori me. Māori delivering services for Māori by Māori, designed yeah. by Māori. Which we. You know, I Which think national support, order. right? You know, and, and, and no one's saying, "Hey, we don't, we we don't oppose giving uh, local Māori groups who understand their communities far better um, resource so that they can." We don't, we don't. So everyone agrees with that. Yeah, but it's, it's, the, it's, mechanism. it's the mechanism. It's the mechanism, right? Yeah. Yeah. You okay, can do that go within to, the current. We're going to go to foreign yeah. affairs because we're going to sure. run out of time. Other way, so sure. Australia has a new prime minister, Anthony. Uh, Albanese. Albanese, yep. sorry, thank you, was sworn in on Monday. Mm. He says he has a plan for the Pacific, which includes a defence training school, support for maritime security, a boost in aid and re-engaging with the region on climate change. Dan, is this in response to China's security pact with the number of island nations? Yeah, look, so, um, you know, I think the rhetoric of the previous um, Australian government was pretty strong arms toward with China, you will probably see a little bit of a difference in rhetoric, but in terms of policy direction, I think you know Australia's quite clear on the uh, threat and the concern over China. So I think with Anthony Albanese at the helm, I think there, there, there will be lots of an initiative to make sure there's beefed up presence in the Pacific. And for New Zealand, we've got to follow suit, right? So, well, what's your take? Well, we've got to be careful 
Um, I don't want an impervious, imperialistic perspective. Rangatiratanga for Samoa lays with Samoa, with uh, Tonga it lays with Tonga, with Solomon's it lays with Solomon's. And if we think that American uh, geocentric um, uh, imperialism is any better than Chinese geocentric imperialism, we're fooling ourselves. Uh, I think what will solve these issues is a Fanangatanga approach, um, and that's the lens that um, Nanaya Mahuta has been working on. You know, and you know, she she was in the Pacific just a few weeks ago. I know Winston Peter said she hadn't been there for eighteen months. That simply isn't isn't true. I think we got to I think we've got to talk to our Pacific Fananga. Mm. As as Fanonga, and I think that will work much better than this imperialistic perspective. Um, and you know, we are the colonialists when it comes to uh, Tonga and when it comes to Samoa. So, you know, let's just let's just treat our Fanonga like Fanonga and stop being um, uh, colonialists. How, how do you rate uh, the foreign minister's job so far in the Pacific? Um, look, I, I think I think she has she needs to step up her game in respect to the Solomons and and engaging our Pacific neighbours. So it's all very well to say she's just starting to go there in the last couple of weeks, but... You what know, would you have her do? I, I think just, you know, absolutely picking up the phone, talking to the foreign ministers in these countries, um, understanding what's driving China to, you know, the Solomon Islands to actually uh, um, form this relationship with China, Where do the res- where's the resources that need to happen, and to what Shane said, which I agree with, which is work with our Pacific neighbours, um, you know, and we're not coming well, from well, a... Well, some people would say it's because we've done nothing. Well, no, I think we're, we're, we're you know, we are, we are the Pacific, right? And, you know, we're, we're part of that community. So we've got every vested interest in wanting to make sure that it's... it's um, but have we done a good enough job when you consider climate change? You know, we're not sinking at the moment, but they are. Yeah, so lo- lots of areas of... And that's what Frank Bainimarama yes, is saying. Absolutely. He's saying that this has got nothing to do with geopolitics. This is about climate change for them. Well, that's... What they say, but then China's got their own interests as well, right? So we, we just cannot um, underestimate the the strategic nature of China and what their long-term play is, which is... Uh, yeah, and what they're probably thinking, all due respect, Dan, what they're probably thinking is, well, are they going to be any different to the way in which the Americans are treating them? And, you know, we've treated the Pacific. I'm talking about old journal New Zealand mm. as cheap labour... Uh, sources for many years, you know, they will remember, they will remember how we treated them in the 80s, which isn't that long ago. Dawn raids. The dawn raids, uh, the economic disparity that exists, be- and health disparities, etc., et that um, exist between Pacifica and and, and, and and the rest of Aotearoa New Zealand. So, you know, I just don't think that sort of high, mighty, this is the way we need to do it approach. Uh, no one uh, has, that I can think of, has closer for Nangatanga, uh, has 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 reset the lens through our tangatufenua perspective, and I think that's the way in terms of the, the, the way in terms of how we treat the we treat the Pacific, and uh, I no doubt, and I'm you know just a simple fact, and I has been speaking to those people um, through uh, conferences through the telephone, and you know there's been some criticism that uh, perhaps we should have gone up there a, a year or so ago, but it was it was their decision to say, hey, look, we got COVID, we don't want visitors here, we want to keep it tight. So more work to do. More work to do, yeah. absolutely. Hey, it's been um, a blessing. Yeah. It's been an honour having you. That's party people for this week. Kei ngā ahika, o tēnā kainga, o tēnā hapu, o tēnā iwi, ki konei tuki anō, ai te papa, kia tuku i te ahipu kauri, o party people ki tō ahi manua, ki reira whitawhita ai, a haria ke nei. Hei tērā wiki. Thank you.